Yeah, you've heard about dinner in the dark, glow in the dark dinners, glow in the dark part part. Today is glow in the dark preaching. Okay, sometimes we look to a man for a word, but why don't we wait for a word from the Lord straight down? Amen. So wonderful to see all you beautiful people and uh, all, the, all those of you who are visiting us for the first time. Welcome home. Church, can we warmly welcome them? Man, it's always an honor to be here and to share the Word of God, and I love our church. If we haven't met yet, I'm Pastor Deshan, and together with my wife, Pastor Michala, we get the awesome privilege of not only planting, but also leading this church. So thank God. And I can tell you, as far as we could track so far, from the time we launched till now, about 350 people made a decision to follow Jesus. Can we give glory to God? We were there at TCC the week after we launched. And uh, we were like, we don't know what we're doing. We're terrified. We're scared. But two years later, we're just rejoicing what the Lord has done. And TCC, the city church from Mississauga, has been a big part of our church. And Pastor Brent and Nicole Coulter, we love them so much. And thank you so much. Because we can be in different locations, but be part of the same family. So we love TCC. We exist because of TCC. So praise God. We're in this series, as Michelle mentioned, Revival. And that's a topic I didn't want to talk about. But that's what the Lord put on my heart for this season. And we're continuing that. So if you missed any of the other messages, please go back. We're going straight into it. I want to continue talking about it. And today I want to talk to you about the three disciplines to remain in revival. We talk about how to get revival, what revival is about, but we don't always talk about how to remain in revival, how to stay in revival. Mike Todd talks about the burden of the blessing because we always talk about the success. We always talk about breakthrough. We always talk about when we get to the other side of the struggle, but the issue is the challenge is the burden gets heavier. It's not easy. It's not, it doesn't come automatically. What comes automatically is going down the slippery slope. Swimming against the tide takes effort, takes dedication. you got to remember what the Lord has done. And last week we were talking about building monuments. And, uh, and so today I just want to continue in the same theme of revival. Revival is a sovereign move of God. Revival is not something that we manufacture. It's not something that we just come up with on our own. It's Revival is something that we need to align ourselves to God, to His timing. And when God finds a man, a woman, even a child, you know revival can come through a child too. Healing, when a child prays, healing can happen. It's not just the older and the wiser, more mature. God can use little children. We got to respect and love everybody the same way, especially the little children. So when God finds a person that is available and willing, pursuing Him, preparing themselves, and when they are waiting on Him, then God will show up in a mighty way. He wants to bring us closer to Him more than ever before, but we got to get ready. We got to be desiring. We got to want the greater things, the greater encounter that God has for us. So that's the journey that we've been on. When we talk about revival, it's not just something that you experience on a conference or on Sunday at church or when you go to a retreat. How many of you go to a retreat and you come back on fire on revival and then Monday you're like, oh, can't even find my Bible. But God wants us to encounter Him every day. God wants us to walk in revival every day. That's what real revival is, walking with God consistently. Not going to an event, not buying a CD or DVD. All the millennials are like, what is that? But it's walking with Jesus consistently. And it doesn't have to look like 
some of the crazy or intense revival you've seen before. Some of you who've grown up in church. God has a unique radical revival for you. Something very new. Something very different. And that's where God is leading us. When you fail, and I love what Shania said, and that, that's, that's why we do what we do, amen? For, to see lives transformed. For people to come closer to Jesus. That's our vision. And she said, you know, she's, she's human. She, does, she might fall, but it's not as bad as before. Because she's walking with Jesus. And His grace is new every day. His mercies are new every day. And so the enemy always comes to guilt us and blame us. But today I want to encourage you to take one baby step towards aligning your life. One baby step to want to encounter Jesus. One small tweak. There are habits. How many of you got bad habits that you picked up through COVID? Don't put your hands up. I'll embrace myself. How many of you picked up bad habits through, through COVID? And it just adds on, right? But at the same time, there are anchor habits, which is one habit that you can change, but that will affect many of the other habits. For me, the anchor habit will be going to bed at the same time. Because my sleeping pattern is all over the place. And uh, I'll blame that on my children and the dog. But I am working towards going to bed at the same time. Because then it's going to change my next day. It's going to change the way I wake up. I'm not probably going to be as cranky. Don't call me first thing in the morning. I might not be very Christian in the morning. But an anchor habit. I wonder what that anchor habit could be for you. That you can change that one thing and then it'll just have ripple effect on many things, on, on a bunch of habits. All of that to say is that God wants us to step into revival, not just receive it, but to remain in the revival. Remain in that habit of pursuing Him because that will change everything else in our lives. Three disciplines to remain in revival. Before I get into it, let's pray. Holy Spirit, we welcome your presence once again, God. Father, we thank you for the beautiful worship. We thank you that we get to be family, that we are loved unconditionally, that we are welcomed here to belong. And God, even now as I open my mouth and speak, Lord, I trust you. Lord, I pray that you speak to your children, God. You know what they need. I do not know, but you do know. So God, use me as your vessel to speak your word. Make us more like you, God. Help us to walk closer to you. Help us to walk in love with you. So Jesus, have your way. Be glorified. Help us to remain in revival. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Three disciplines to remain in revival. Number one. Well, not yet. There are three main tactics. My wife is like, come on, let's go, let's go. Look, the introduction is too long. There are three main tactics that the enemy uses to tempt us. The same three tactics, tactics the enemy used to trip and trap Adam and Eve. The same pattern, the same three patterns the enemy even tried to tempt Jesus with. The thing is the enemy, the devil, I don't want you to be scared of the enemy or the devil or the demons because we have Jesus. The greatest name above all the other names. The power of Jesus, the blood of Jesus greater than everything and anything that you can see on this earth or in the supernatural. So Jesus was even tempted by the enemy. And we serve a God who's creator God. He creates new things. But the enemy, he just duplicates. He perverts. He doesn't invent anything new, but he will use the same pattern on you and me. But Jesus has given us specific weapons. So I'm going to tell you the three main problems, the three main temptations 
And I'm going to go straight in to give you the three main weapons that the Lord has given us. The three main weapons the Lord has given us against the three main problem. Let's look at the problem. First problem, lust. As humans, we have three main temptations that will reduce our revival fire for God. Lust, pride, greed. And the three weapons that Jesus gives us is prayer, fasting, giving. Let me break it down for you. Number one, prayer. Prayer defeats pride. Prayer defeats pride. See, the real reason why people don't pray is not because they're busy. It's because we're prideful. I'm good. Don't bother me. I got it. But the moment we face a crisis, the moment you lose your job, the moment your loser girlfriend dumps you, what do you do? You pray. You're no longer busy. So you somehow find time to pray. Somehow you're able to prioritize prayer when you go through a heartache. I wonder why we make prayer the last resort when it should be our first line of defense. The prayer with, the, the problem with prayerlessness is not busyness, but it's pride. Hiding under busyness. There's only one way to defeat this problem of pride, and that is to develop a life of prayer. When we pray, we go to God and we say, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need your guidance. Lord, I'm nothing without you. We humble ourselves. We need to surrender ourselves. We not, not just show up to church and do cute Christian things, but we need to go to the Lord first. Go to the, go to the throne before you go to the phone. And the moment that you humble yourself, you bend your knees. You say, God, have your way in my life. Just like Evan Roberts that we've been looking at from the Welsh Revival. He said, Lord, bend me. God, take away the pride. God, break me, mold me. When you humble yourself in prayer, that's your strongest position. Prayer destroys pride. Can you repeat after me? Prayer destroys pride. Amen. Number two, fasting. Fasting helps us with lust. What does fasting helps us with? Yeah. Fasting helps us with lust. Because the lust of the flesh is connected to our desires. We have these cravings in our, in our physical sinful body. And our bodies are prone to sickness. Our bodies are prone to aging. Unless you got the Benjamin Button curious case, which I do. I get younger with every age. Like last week I got older, but hey, people are like, you're 25? This guy was working on our, on our roof and he's like, where's the owner of the house? Uh, where's your dad? I'm like, I'm the owner of the house. <laughs> like for a decade, our neighbors wouldn't talk to us because they thought we were a bunch of kids living in the house. And he's like, what? You're like, how can you afford a house like this when you're 25? I'm like, well, you're getting an extra tip today. Many of our desires of the flesh are not necessarily evil. I love food. And many of us almost run out the buffet out of business because we love food. We, we, we love to have fun and, and joy and good things. We, you know, we desire these things. We, we desire, many of the guys desire, desire uh, Teslas and fast cars or ladies love their shoes. Or I, I, there was a, many years I was really into preamps. I'm like, I really need a really good preamps. My wife is like, what the heck is that? And why does it cost five grand? I really wanted to, uh, see, you know what I'm talking about. 
But the enemy comes to us to tempt us to fulfill all of those desires outside of God's will. So having this desire is not the, it's not the problem. It's, it's when we try to fulfill, when we have these desires, the enemy comes to tell us, hey, you can take a shortcut. You don't have to wait till marriage. You don't have to just do these things properly. You cut corners and get this out of God's will faster. Fasting helps us to control our flesh. Fasting not only detoxes our bodies, but also our soul. Our soul is our mind, will, and emotion. So you don't need to fast for your spirit. We're, we're three layers. We're body, we're soul, and spirit. For your spirit, you don't need to... Your spirit is perfect, but it's our soul that needs to be transformed. So when we fast, we're denying our flesh. We are removing our flesh from ruling our lives, and we bring it under submission to Christ. People say, you got to find yourself, you got to find yourself. And then they get lost. But if you would get lost in Christ, you would find your true self. Did you hear that? Get lost in Christ. Get consumed. Get, get on fire. Get on revival for Christ. Then you will find your true self. Your true sanctified self. Your true redeemed self. The one that Jesus died for. If you feel you don't have passion for Jesus... Start fasting. Fasting will help you get your hunger back for God. And fasting is painful. But you were created to fast. Even in the Word. How many of you had breakfast today? Don't be shy. There's no judgment. I mean, I'm fasting today, so I'm like, no. Breakfast. Breakfast. Break. If you break that word apart, break the fast. Break fast. Our bodies were made to fast. Like when you're sleeping, you're really fasting. God designed our bodies to fast throughout the night regularly. But some of you don't fast at night. You still eat throughout the night, don't you? We need comfort food. We need, you know, or some of us eat just because we're bored. And I, I was struggling with kotroti cravings and chocolates. And sometimes I'll be working on the bed um, on my laptop or reading a book or something and I'm like, God, I'm trying to, you know, like do something good. Oh, there's a Ferro Rocher box right over there. I'm just going to borrow it from my wife's night table. Just, just one, just one. I need the sugar. I need the chocolate. I need, I need to prepare myself or like, God, I'm studying or whatever, right? You know, those excuses. And I'm, oh man, oh, have you ever had a moment when you ate it and you're like, man, I didn't really pay attention. Like, I, I was so busy studying. I ate it, but I didn't. Just another one. And before you know it, the whole box has happened more than once to me. And then the next day, my wife is like, what happened to my Pharaoh? I'm like, it's on your side. Like all the wrappers all over the place. I'm like, I don't know. And I'm like hungover on chocolate the next day. We get, I'm just focusing on food just for a moment. Like we get some of our desires just out of control or as a coping mechanism or comfort food. And again, my nighttime sleep is always disturbed because, you know, the dog needs me or the kids need I'm, I'm on the night shift. So I wake up like at 3 o'clock, and I don't want to wake up at 3 o'clock, but I have to. So I'm like warming up the milk. I'm like, I need a treat. You know when you put the dog out for, to do his business in the backyard, you have to give him a treat? I'm like, I need a treat. I'm feeding the kid. I need a treat. I'm like, what can And we have these Costco snacks at home, like a Madeline cake Oh man, for, for a while I was hooked on these chocolate chip mini muffins from Costco. Like, I forget the name. Oh, it's so delicious. You can't just have one. 
So I'm like, I deserve it. I got up, fed the child, done the diaper, I've changed the diaper. Like, I'm like, every time I need a treat for myself. So, and then we blame it on COVID. We're like, oh, COVID, wait, you know, working from home, not exercise. But no, you're just snacking all throughout the night. I wonder how many of you have a stash of food right by your bed. I know some of you have a mini fridge right by your bed. But our bodies are made to fast during the night. And in the morning, we break the fast. And when you fast, what happens is that you're getting it, your body into alignment. As you're fasting with the right intention, the right purpose, you're sharpening your senses, your spirit, your, your soul is, is being transformed. And fasting really takes you to the next level in God. People come and ask, oh, pastor, can you tell me some secrets, how I get stronger in God? There's really no secret formula for spiritual growth. It's just basic discipline. Basic boring discipline is what will help you to level up. Basic boring discipline is what's going to help you to produce spiritual maturity. We over-spiritualize things. We're like, oh, that's demonic. This is demonic. But it could be the flesh. You can, even if you cast out the demon, you don't lose the flesh because the flesh is still here. Every day, the flesh gets reset. Every day, the flesh wakes up with new mercies, but every day, the flesh wakes up with new temptations as well. Yesterday's crucifixion of your flesh does not work today. And so that's why you have to have regularly a life of fasting if you want to overcome the flesh. If you want to conquer the flesh, you've got to have regular fasting. Some people, you know, uh, in the Bible we see that when people are struggling with lust, Jesus doesn't tell them to go through deliverance. He tells them to go through discipline. People say that they're struggling with flesh or fighting with, with lust. My first question is, are you regularly fasting? I'm not talking about you working overtime and you doing double shifts and then you're so busy that you miss your meal. I'm not talking about that. that or you forget to have your lunch. Or you're starving yourself to lose weight because that's just a diet. A bad one too. Or you're refusing to eat. How about this? You refuse to eat because you're mad at somebody. And you want to get back at them. So you're like starving yourself, trying to punish them, but you're the one who's suffering. Like kind of like a low-budget hunger strike. That's not fasting. You're really being, you know, stubborn and difficult and not avoiding the problem. And you think by you starving, the other person is going to change. Fasting is denying good desires of your flesh. So it could be food. Uh, and as a church, we're going to start fasting soon in, in a few weeks. But it could be, if food is a big issue in your life, if, if you just love food, could, you could fast on that. Whatever is challenging. Could, for some, food is not an issue. could be social media. could be entertainment. could be something else. And you replace those pleasures with more time in prayer and in the Word of God. You replace those things, you know, like binge watching and, and Netflix and, and fill in the blanks with more worship and prayer. And you say, Lord, bend me. Lord, renew me. God, change me. Lord, send revival. Lord, do it again. Do it in me. Do it through me. Do it in our church. So when you are bending your will to God, guess what's going to happen? You might get headaches. You might get a little cranky. You might get moody. But that's all part of the price. That's all part of breaking the jar. And I love what uh, El shared during a huddle earlier. Breaking the jar. Am I saying it right? Break the bottle. 
along the same line. It's the price. It costs you something. And God doesn't just reward you because you get a breakthrough at the end of your fast. Check this. God considers every headache that you go through, every pain that you go through, every kotroti demon that you have to fight against to, to, to press on forward and keep fasting for those three days or one week or one month, whatever fasting length you do, God considers every struggle that you go through. Not just when you complete your fast. Your fast. God counts not only us finding Him, but seeking Him. Hebrews 11, 6. Can we read that together? Hebrews 11, 6. For we come to God in faith, knowing that He is, come on, real, and that He, what? Rewards the faith of those who passionately seek Him. He doesn't reward those who just find Him, but those who passionately seek Him. Man, this verse brought so much freedom to me because sometimes I get discouraged with prayer and fasting because it's brutal. Oh, you mess up, you know? Again, going back to food, sometimes you're like, oh, I'm not going to eat meat and sweet. And then by accident, you're like having this, you know, Black Forest triple fudge cake by accident. And you're like three quarters done. You're like, wait a second. That feels weird. Oh, right. I'm supposed to. Oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. You get so guilty. Like, it's brutal. And God says, I don't reward you because you have it all together. I don't reward you when you perfectly perform or you have it figured out. Or, or when you do things exactly, I reward you for the struggles. I reward you when you passionately seek me. Maybe you set out to seek him passionately, but maybe you messed up. But God is saying, I reward your efforts. I reward you for the cold sweats when you're resisting the temptation. I reward you for the headaches. I reward you for the difficulties you face during your fast. I reward you. I will reward you with breakthrough for the battles you face during the fasting. If you want to overcome lust, write this down. Develop a life of fasting. Our third weapon for the day. Next week, we will go more into more practical application type of thing. But today, I want to just lay the foundation. You know I'm really getting into the series when I start doing mini-series within the series. So this is one of those things. Halfway, like we're on the fourth week now. Third point, third weapon is giving. Giving defeats greed. Giving defeats greed. Greed hides in our lives. And, and in a sneaky way. We call it balanced budget living. Some people are so scared of generosity that when we start doing tithing talk or giving talk, they actually start, you know, having an allergic reaction. But, but let's pretend. Let's pretend that the local church, um, the, you know, that you go to is corrupt. Let's just pretend. I mean, in our church, we have overseers. We have accountants. And uh, we have pastoral oversight, all of that. So everything is... is is done correctly. So, but just pretend that the local church that you go to is corrupt. And you completely disagree with the way they spend their money in the church. You know, why are they buying fog machines and LED lights and like what do they really? So you really disagree. See how Jesus handles that. In Luke 21, there's a story about a poor woman. And she, she comes and she gave everything into the temple treasury. But the temple... The, the church was corrupt. It was a corrupt temple system. Jesus saw her giving into that corrupt church 
And you don't see Jesus coming up to her and being like, Hey lady, do you know how they're going to spend your money? Jesus doesn't come and be like, Hey lady, you should be investing your money into JC Ministries International. JC stands for Jesus Christ, in case you're wondering. Jesus doesn't come to her and say, Hey lady, I'm about to flip them tables in, in just a moment. Because I'm mad at the, at the way that they're taking advantage of people. I'm, I'm going to like really like start whipping people and all that. Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus doesn't say, lady, they should be supporting you instead of you supporting this corrupt den of thieves. They're thiefing from you. <laughs> See, we all have opinions. Like when it comes to like church, how the church should spend their money, we all are like expert crit- critics, right? But we should get our own lives in order. We should get our own finances in order. We should all come out of debt. Amen? And not easily borrow and spend mindlessly. We never should make an excuse not to live a life of generosity. I'm just wondering, you know, when you go to Starbucks or go to a restaurant or when you bought your latest phone, you know, the iPhone 25 that you have, it's interesting not once did you wonder, hey, I'm, I'm wondering how Apple spends their excess money. Well, to tell you the truth, Apple does not support not even one missionary. Apple does things that is against what the Bible says. And yet, we will give our money to get what we want. And that doesn't bother us. But when it comes to church, everybody becomes very critical. Why? Because we want to mask our greed. And I must say it like it is, when we don't tithe, when we're not investing into our local church, we are masking greed. There's no other way to get rid of the idol of money, mammon. Jesus says you cannot serve God and mammon. There's no other way to get rid of mammon, the idolizing of money over faith in God. There's no way to get rid of mammon except through giving. I wish I could, you know, people come and say like, oh, please pray for a financial breakthrough. I'm like, do you tithe? They're like, no. I'm like, you don't want to offend them, but then at the same time, you know the prayer is not going to work. I wish I could pray a cute prayer to break the greed off of you. I tried to break greed through fasting. It didn't work. Giving is the only thing that will kick greed out. Christmas is coming, man. My wife is like, let's go. We had to go shopping. I'm like, I don't believe in shopping. Like, I used to give Christmas cards in the summer. I'm like, Christmas should be all the time. Not just, like, we should be nice to people all the time. We should not just, like, oh, it's Christmas. Let's be kind. Let's not be Scrooge. So, consumer mentality. Oh, it's on sale. You got to get it. I need it. I want it bigger, shinier, better. Consumer mentality, what's in it for me? What can I get? And that same mentality, consumer mentality comes into consumer Christianity. What's, it, what's the church doing for me? And the demon of materialism has taken more people out of their relationship with God than witchcraft, sorcery, pornography, and anything else. It's just interesting, this passage in Luke 21, Jesus talks about generosity, and then he goes on to talk about the end time. Revival and end times go together. And here we see it in the same chapter. We are in the last days. We cannot remain stagnant. We cannot remain stingy. We cannot try to live independent lives. 
we need to surrender ourselves. We need to get His holy fire. We need to get passionate. Otherwise, we're not going to get through. And we're not going to accomplish the mission God has for our lives. The purpose that He designed us for uniquely, we're not going to fulfill that if you remain st- stagnant and creating excuses. And despite what the enemy is throwing at us, we need to gather together as a community. You are not an island. God has called you to have community and to reach those who are far from God. But it takes generosity. It's great that we have encountered God and we, we stepped into revival, but we need to realize that there's a dying world out there. The next time you don't want to go to church, the next time you don't want to serve, the next time you don't want to give, the next time you don't want to pray, remember, there are people that are dying and going to hell without knowing Jesus. That should be our priority, reaching people for Jesus, not just alone, but together as a community. Yes, we are hurting, but we're not hopeless. Amen? Come on. We're hurting, but we're not hopeless. Yes, our hearts are broken, but we're not helpless. He promised us that He will come and save us. We have a Savior, and we need to let the world know. We're in the last days. Time is running out. We need to reach people for Jesus. And Jesus says in this passage, That we're in the last days. Verse 34 to 36. He says, watch out. In Luke 21, 34 to 36. Watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness and by the worries of this life. What? Worries of this? Don't let that day catch you unaware like a trap. For that day will come upon everyone living on the earth. Keep alert at all time and pray that you might be strong enough to escape these coming horrors and stand before Jesus. Worries of life. These are the temporary things that we're so bothered about. I'm a natural warrior and I'm trying to step out of that because there are so many things that are temporary. We need to start focusing on the eternal things. Worries of life means materialistic ways and, and worried about our status and recognition. Bigger, newer, shinier. Like I said, I'm not against having nice stuff. I'm all for having nice stuff. But if we don't have a foundation of generosity and, 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 and we fight over should we tithe or not, that's childish. That's below basic. Because we see that God in His great generosity, He gave us His one and only Son. He didn't give us a substitute. He didn't give us an animal. He gave us His one and only Son. How generous is our God? I would never want to give my children for anything. But our God gave us His one and only Son to suffer and die in our place, to to pay the sin penalty for our mistakes as ransom. God didn't give us a duplicate. He didn't give us a substitute. He gave us Jesus. We are Christians who follow Jesus. Jesus gave His life for us. So if it bothers you, and and if you ask me what's a good place to start tithing, 10% of your income. If 10% bothers you, you know what, let's not argue about 10%, okay? Just, if if 10% is such a big deal, if it bothers you, then you know what, just leave the 10% out, do 20%. Start tithing at 50%. Be free, my brothers and sisters. Be free. Don't worry about the 10%. Trust God with your money. We say we trust God, but we won't trust God's church. Or do what the Bible said. All the believers gathered together. And they gave everything and they shared together. 
I want you to understand that you cannot serve God and mammon, the idol of money. I guarantee you that you'll never be able to get closer to God without your heart being connected to God. And you cannot get your heart connected to God if your treasure does not lead your heart there. You can say you're surrendered to God. You can say you follow Christ and you're a Christian. And, but you, you can be serving God, even become an evangelist. But your heart is led, not by your fasting, not, not even by your prayer. There's only one thing that pulls your heart. It is your treasure. Not your trash. Not your leftovers. Not tipping God. When I pay my bills, when I have something left over, I'll give it to God. God is not your waiter. That, that, that hurts my heart. That we would not trust God with what He has trusted us with. And we tip God. Giving God our treasure. And that's actually more than our tithing. Because treasure is what hurts. Treasure is what makes you nervous. Treasure is what makes you sick in your stomach. Because your heart begins to move. That's what treasure is. And if you're afraid to lose your money, you're going to lose it anyway. So rather, give it to Christ. But Bible says, if you don't give your treasure, moth and rust will eat it. And we can't take it to heaven. And our life here on earth is limited. Everything will be left behind. So I want to challenge you to live a life of prayer and fasting. And I want you to add this weapon, this last one that I mentioned, to your spiritual discipline. And that is extravagant generosity. And God says to test Him in this. So it doesn't matter if you can afford it or not. God is calling you to take a risk and to test Him because He's the God of all resources. And we got to make sure that we just don't talk, but we actually take action. We got to renew our minds. We got to come out of poverty thinking and trust Him and obey Him. And the problem is His problem. When you trust and obey Him, your problems are His problem. And as I end... I want to tell you that sacrifice always propels you into your new season. Before the Israelites conquered uh, the promised land, God asked them for a city. In the wilderness, God provided for the manna and quail. Uh, but in the promised land, before they got their possession, God asked them for their treasure. He didn't ask 10%. He asked for the city that they conquered. That was a huge sacrifice for the Israelites. And we see that the Israelites, they prepared. They went to war for a season to capture Jericho. And at that same time, the manna stopped. They needed money. They needed livestock. They, they needed everything. And finally, they won. They got Jericho. And God says, I want Jericho to belong to me. I want you to understand, every new season in your life will always require a new sacrifice. That's not easy, but it works. And I'm not talking about sacrifice for the sake of sacrifice. I'm talking about sacrifice for the sake of obedience. You cannot pray greed out. You have to give greed out. Maybe that's the very thing that is stopping the revival in your life. Three weapons God gave us. Praying, fasting, giving. Those three weapons cancels 
these three most important temptations that we all face. And so I want to ask you, well, before I ask you, you might be asking, do I need to do any of this to go to heaven? No, you can welcome Jesus into your heart. You're saved. You're going to heaven. So you don't have to do any of this. You also don't have to eat to go to heaven, but you still do. But if you would do these three things, it will strengthen your core, your inner core. And the Bible says that, that a threefold cord cannot be easily broken. So I want to ask you this as I close. Are you struggling with pride? Are you struggling with lust? Are you struggling with greed? If so, have you considered prioritizing prayer, regular fasting, and extravagant giving? Let's stand together. Before we worship God again, worship team, you can come up. I want to pray. Because in our fallen human nature, these three things are a big struggle. So let's put our hand on our hearts. I'm putting mine. And we're going to pray. And then I'm going to give you an invitation to welcome Jesus into your heart. Yes, Father, we come before you, God. Lord, we realize that we are weak, but in you we are strong. God, today we surrender ourselves to you, God. God, we ask for your supernatural help. But at the same time, Father, we ask that you would give us that courage to take a risk. Not just, just to be at ankle deep or knee deep or hip deep, but that we will submerge ourselves in you and trust you alone, God. And these three weapons you've given us, God, let us not just put it on the shelf and collect dust, but help us to use it. Father, open our spiritual eyes. Church, can you declare that right now? Can you just ask the Lord, Lord, open my spiritual eyes. God, I want to see you, Lord. I want you to transform me. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. While we remain standing, I want to give you an invitation. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, if you never uh, opened up your heart to welcome the Lord Jesus as your Savior, today's the day to do that. Maybe you grew up in church. Maybe you walked with Jesus. Maybe you walked away. Or you never made that conscious decision. If that's you today, I want to give you this invitation and we're going to pray together. Jesus died for your sins. He paid for your sin penalty. He wants you to be in heaven with Him when our time on earth is done. And there's nothing that you've done that, uh, that has kept Him too far from you. Even today is the day that the Lord has orchestrated for you to be here, to hear this word, to make a decision, to welcome Him into your heart. Today's the day. Tomorrow is too late. It's not just the old people that are passing away. Harsh reality is we just don't know when our time is done. Tomorrow is too late. Today is the day of salvation. That's what the Bible says. And if you would give our souls to Jesus through a simple prayer that I'm going to pray, then our soul is eternally secure. No matter what happens on this earth, we will be with Jesus. We will be in heaven forever with Him. This is something that you don't earn. This is something that you cannot work for. This is the unmerited favor of God because of His grace and His loving kindness on you. Because He loves you unconditionally. If that's you on the count of three, I want you to put your hand up. Nobody's looking. All eyes are closed. I need to know who I'm praying for. So on the count of three, I want you to put your hand up. One, if you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, I want you to raise your hand. Two, 
three, put your hand up right now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, yes, you can put your hand down. Yes, and as Next Level Church, we do not pray alone. Church, can we pray together? So repeat after me right now as we welcome Jesus into our heart. Let's go. Repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I welcome you into my heart. I believe you are God, that you died for my sins. God, wash me by your precious blood. I am yours. My life is no longer mine, but I surrender it to you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Revive me in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, church. Can we celebrate? Yeah. Let's worship God together.